Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Will Bruce Arians retake control of the play calling now that Tom Brady is coming to Tampa? And any word on extensions for Chris Godwin or Levante David? If the Bucs fail to make the playoffs or the Super Bowl this year, do you think we'll see a rebuild in Tampa? And is there any interest in Todd Gurley? How about Melvin Gordon or Jamal Adams for that matter? We've got all those questions and more answered 100% correctly on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. So, Steve, uh, kind of a neat thing. Uh, while I sit here and, and watch and, and you know have my head glued to Twitter and the computer and my phone all day, you're actually able to watch some games, but but not live games, but good games, right? Yeah, my boys have been begging, you know, is there a game on? Can we watch a game? You know, they're four and six years old, so they're, you know, they don't yeah. fully understand. They know the coronavirus. They don't fully understand it. It's spring right. break, so they're happy to be home. And But so... They want to watch old, so they want to watch games. So I went ahead and said, "Hey, let's watch." I turned on the two uh, playoff games from Tropicana Field last uh, October, Ooh. and we were watching that. And man, how fun were those games! I mean, now I did. This is the first time I got to see them on TV, and, and I was I was in and out watching it because I was doing work too. But but how much fun were those games? And the TV did not do that justice. How loud that stadium was. Um, particularly, you know, the, the 10 runs they scored in the first game. But in particular, when the Kiermaier to Adamas to Darno's oh. row nailed Altuve at the plate. Unbelievable. Game four, I was there. I was in the building. I watched game three at home, and it, it looked loud. It sounded, you know, everybody had the towels and everything. And uh, it was a good atmosphere. And, of course, you know, they won. And um, But then, you know, that was a really tight game in game four, and there was tension throughout the entire game. Uh, and But the noise... I've been in the trop a few times for the World Series, you know, other things, big events, uh, American League Championship Series, series back when they beat Boston and stuff like that. Not when they won, you know, Game Seven, but um, that trop can get loud. I have, I don't think I've heard it louder. I do not think that when Altuve made that relay throw, or I'm sorry, uh, Adamas, Adamas made the yeah. relay throw to catch Altuve, and it, it was so little. I mean, it seems, seems so improbable when Kiermaier got the ball off the wall. And um, but if you watch it, like you see the replay, there was no wasted motion whatsoever. Adamas set himself up perfectly, almost starting to turn before the ball got there. And the throw he makes is spectacular. And then, of course, Altuve tries to slide out of the line and um, did a nice job of blocking the plate and keeping him off the plate. That place went bananas. That place went bananas, and it stayed like that pretty much the entire game. And um, yeah, that was cool. That gave me goosebumps to be there. Uh, and kind of kind of feel that energy because, uh, and you could tell too. The Rays fed off of that. They offensively they fed off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Adamas had a great series, especially at the Trop. Um, he hit very very well. I think he had a home run in one of those games, if not mm-hmm. uh, if not a couple in the series. So uh, it was exciting, man. And uh, I'm glad. Yeah, it's kind of neat. You, I, I got to go back and watch those because so now MLB, NFL Network, or NFL.com, like you can uh, watch NBA game pass. and NHL, all their game passes or whatever they call their, their yeah, you know their um, 
their packages, streaming, use, service, their streaming yeah. services. You can go back and watch old games for free right now during this coronavirus. They've all done that. So maybe go back and watch Tom Brady and see if he can throw the ball more than six yards. And see I've how never his seen arm is. More... Let's see how his arm is. My gosh. I mean, these people are – It's. I know he's old, okay? Like, I know he's 42, going to be 43, and, and um, you know, who's as good as, as they were 10 years ago. But um, you would think, listening to some of these people, that – that Tom Brady, you know, has has to have a relay man to throw a, you know, to throw a, a stick route. I mean, it's it's incredible. I wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times. You guys can read it on TampaBay.com about this misperception. Well, you can't you can't fit a vertical offense. He can throw easy now. He can throw the ball. All the guys in the NFL can throw the football. You know, they're they're not. It's there's not a jugs gun out there. This is not you know you sit there and you know and you. They they light up what how fast the velocity was of the last pass and you know you see it on the scoreboard. Um, more importantly, we had you know if, if, for five years the Bucks fans watched a guy that could throw it as well as anybody in terms of velocity, but it didn't go to the right place. <laughs> so what do you want? You know, um, get the ball go out of out of his hand and go to the right receiver in stride and be pinpoint as opposed to somebody that's going to light up the radar gun, but. Yeah, it's uh, so that's a good thing to do. Go, you can go back and watch hockey games too, right? And watch yeah. NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, it was it was and great. And but although we can't have nice things, that's true. The Rays come off a ninety-seven win season. They have those mm. two great wins at the Trop, and the regular mm. season's not going to start on time. The Lightning, when they won of the course. Stanley Cup, it was a lockout the next year. It was a lockout. You know, we just can't have nice things, as you always. We say. can't. I know. I know. It's true. And and let's let's see what happens to the season when Tom Brady is officially a Buccaneer. Because do we know there's going to be one? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we don't. I mean, seriously, like you know, if New York doesn't come back around, I'm pretty sure they're not going to eliminate the Jets and the Giants from the roster or from the schedule. Yeah. So, well, well, the NFL has its first confirmed case of coronavirus, as we learned on Thursday afternoon. Sean Payton, right. coach of the Saints, My. has come forward saying he is coronavirus, and he's coming forward so that uh, he wants everyone to heed the warnings of government officials, stay inside, and behave responsibly, according to Adam Schefter. Stay 10 feet apart. You absolutely should do that. Um, and no no more groups, or six feet apart, no more groups are larger than 10. And uh, I don't know what Sean Payton was doing. It's unfortunate. He's he's probably uh, around John Gruden's age, I would think. He's probably mid-50s or late, maybe the later 50s, perhaps. That's probably um, about in, right. He's in a vulnerable group. I mean, I don't know what his immune system is. but he's I mean, 56. You don't, he's 56. Yeah. So you don't you don't want to catch it ever, and you don't, certainly don't want to come in contact with other people. You've got to be careful with that. But... Yeah, people. I think um, people misinterpret like what this really means. Okay, it, it it means don't have contact with other people outside your family. If you know everybody's healthy in your family, kind of kind of stick around there. And if you do go someplace, try to stay six feet apart because this is transmitted, um, you know, through uh, you know through liquids, through body fluids, through somebody sneezes, and it can carry in the air and that sort of thing, or contact with something. Um, so you just got to be careful, man. You can't, you don't want to push it, you know, just the, the sooner we all accept that. And it's, it's a sobering reality, believe it or not. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's going to prevent the spread of this thing. And that's what we all want to get back to normal as quickly as possible, you know? So yeah, let's make sure we, uh, let's, that's, that's sad about Sean though. Hopefully he'll, hopefully he'll recover. It's a, it's a, it can be a very painful disease. It's a serious thing. A lot of people, end up with uh you know breathing problems and and such so if you're if you're especially if you have any kind of lung disorder or you have asthma or emphysema or anything like that you got to be really really careful and 
Um, so he's the first known NFL figure to have it, and 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 I would assume there are more simply because we're not testing everybody. Uh, but hopefully he can get well. All right, we got a lot of questions, as you might imagine. It's uh, Sports Day TV, which does stand for Tom Brady. Let's go. All right, well, the first question comes from Buck North. How did you stay so calm when everyone and his mother was spreading inside information while the professionals were waiting for real information? And how will your job change now that Tom Brady is here? Well, actually, it was my mother that was spreading the misinformation. No, uh, listen, I, it's part of the business, and it is annoying because it clogs up your, your Twitter feed, and I can't respond to, to everybody out there. I would just say this, that the people that pay attention, and there are some, including coaches, players, front office personnel, et cetera, um, they know I've done this for three three years, three uh, decades almost, and, and you know, I, I've gotten better at it as I've gone along. I know what information to trust and what not to trust, and, you know, you, you just I, – I, I understand fans. You know, there's a lot of – Jameis Winston has a lot of fans. I mean, he has a lot of fans. Florida State fans, Buccaneer fans, um, you know, people from Alabama fans. I mean, uh, and, and you know, when you're a starting quarterback and you win a Heisman and you win a national championship, that's natural, right? And so I think people confuse news that isn't good news for them, uh, such as the Bucks are all in on Tom Brady, with with it being fake news. You know, we live in a society, rightly or wrongly, um, and I think it's I think it's wrong where uh, you know too often you know, we discount things that are in, in, you know, that journalists print and, and because of social media, it's difficult to know, uh, the difference, right. Between an actual journalist and somebody that just has a blog or somebody that has a Twitter feed that everybody listens to. Um, but we try to, you know, do our best to get the information correct. Getting it first is nice. And I've had plenty of those throughout my career. Getting it correct is more important. And so I don't, you know, I'm not taking victory laps because they they could have just as easily not gotten Tom Brady, and then everybody would have said, "Aha! See, I told you there was nothing to it. How can you ever trust this guy again?" Well, read what is written. What was written is that they were going to go hard after him. That Bruce Arians uh, wanted to move on. That was the key, right? He, he he wanted to move on. I heard that back as far as really after the season. You know that he wasn't happy with Jameis Winston. He didn't like the way the season ended. He knew that they had a good football team that probably should have won a lot more games than seven. Uh, he says 10 or 11. I think that's accurate. And, 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 and I think people took his statements and twisted them to their own, you know, their own narrative, which was, Oh, it's just posturing or, Oh, you know, he's not, he, he's, he, what else can he's just saying that? No, he meant it. He meant everything he said. Uh, and if you if you viewed it in the context that I did, because I had context, um, you could see that they they were trying to find another quarterback. I mean, I wrote that if they didn't get Tom Brady, they wanted Bridgewater. If they didn't get Bridgewater, they're going to talk to Philip Rivers. Um, and you know, Jameis was still in the mix right up until. But the people I know it, you know, over there at the Bucks, they've been so confident for a long time um, that that. Brady was going to be here. Like, he was going to come here. I'm sure there's some nervous moments there, but, I mean, this is going back several months ago. So then about a week ago is, you know, before this began, I wrote that they, they were going to make the hardest pitch and the hardest sell they could. And and, uh, and it, it turned out that, you know, he decided to take Tampa Bay, and um, we'll find out what the rest of the story is. But it doesn't I – I try not to take it personal because if you do that, 
you're going to get in fights with a lot of times people are trying to draw you out and get attention for themselves. And, you know, that's just messy. But, um, you know, everything I write is, is, you know, I try to be as accurate or as insightful and the best insight I can provide. And if people, you know, choose to read it, then, um, you know, they do. And if they want to disagree with it, they, they can. But ultimately, it turned out in this case that, um, you know, Tom Brady is going to be a Buccaneer. All right. Well, we'll start with some more Brady questions here. And so Mike asks, how much control and input will Tom Brady have in the makeup and style of the offense that the Bucks run? Well, I think it's going to be collaborative. Um, you know, the decision you have here, I would, I would imagine that Tom Brady probably already has a playbook and he's into it. That's who he is. And it's going to be the Bucks offense that's going to be, you know, sort of tweaked, if you will, um, to the kind of route concepts and things that he wants to do. But in, in general, I mean, the decision is like this. Okay, do you give Tom Brady the Bucks playbook and say, okay, let's learn it, let's learn how to call it, all those things? Or do you say to 22 guys at various spots in their careers, some of them maybe entering the NFL, hey, you guys learn Tom Brady's offense? That That would be a much harder thing to do. So once they get down the terminology and all that, they will certainly adapt it to what he's used to doing. Will it be you know, called the way, um, you know, Josh McDaniels calls it? I, no, it won't be. Um, but, you know, you have different players too. And, and, you know, when I talked to Joe Montana the other day, the thing he said to me was that, you know, the hardest thing for him when he went to Kansas City was having new teammates and then having new receivers. You know, you really got to spend time. And Brady's going to go out – and at some point, as soon as it's all the coast is clear here, if there's any time before training camp, he's going to get his guys together. He's going to get, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and, you know, whoever, O.J. Howard and Cam Braid, if he's still here. And he's going to want to throw with those guys. And, and who's not going to show up to that mini camp, right, um, out, off campus before the, they can get together. So, um, you know, he'll work at it. And, you know, this myth that he can't throw the ball down the field, you know, why don't you go on, you know, NFL.com uh, and, and game days and, and look at some of those games and see him make those throws. I mean, he can he can definitely get the ball down there. So I think it, it's it's going to be a, a challenge for him. I think he'll embrace it. He loves football. Uh, he hasn't had to do this for 20 years, so it won't be perfect. But he's got some pretty talented guys around him. And the interesting thing is going to be to see how they work, right? You can't be rounding off routes. You can't be, you know – reading the wrong leverage on an option, right? Like you're going to like Tom Brady now is going to hold those guys to a standard and they're going to have to meet it or excel it. And that's, what's going to be fun to watch is to see, you know, some of the bad habits go away to see the leadership, um, you know, really, really change. Cause I told you that he is, it's not changing the culture. Like he is the culture, right? He's a walking living NFL legend that has six rings and nine Super Bowl appearances. And, you know, it, you would be a fool if you played on Tom Brady's team not to try to work as hard as he does. From what I hear, I was talking to Mike Reese um, in Boston, ESPN, and covers him for 20 years, and he said, look, it's not a joke. The guy is in the building at 5 a.m., and he's there till like 9 or 10 p.m. Like, he is all about football. He loves football. He works hard at football, and people are going to have to match that work ethic, whether you're talking about the equipment room or, uh, you know, guys picking up the locker room or whatever it is, um, they're going to have to match it. So, you know, I, I do think that it'll be collaborative. It'll be, it'll be the Bucks offense, but, but, you know, there's only so many ways to run a hitch, you know, or a dig or, a, 
you know, a stick router and, 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 you know, you learn what you call it. Everybody's on the same page and then you pick and choose, you know, the, the concepts that you like, you know, are you going to go two tight end? Are you going to go three wide? Are you going to spread the field? Brady's used to doing all that stuff. He's used to spreading the field. He's used to a downhill play action game as opposed to the stretch play action that you see in some teams. Um, so everything's going to be right in front of them. And, and what they got to do is they got to worry about protecting them. You know, they got to decide, are we going to go with, with, uh, you know, Donovan Smith at left tackle, or are we going to be able to protect his backside? Do we need to go in the draft? Definitely. They need a right tackle. Uh, if they can, you know, s- kind of sew those things up, then Tom's going to be fine, but, um, it's going to, it's going to be a process. And the sad thing is, is that the coronavirus and, you know, uh, this social distance is it, distancing is going to keep or prevent them from having any off season program, which would start April 1st, uh, or thereabouts or April 7th. And, um, you know, they're not gonna be able to get together. So they're going to have an abbreviated, um, sort of off season. And hopefully they'll, they'll at least make it together by training camp. Uh, and so there's, there's some tall challenges for him that he has not had to ever face in his career. All right. Well, you mentioned about rules and Brady practicing with some of his uh, new teammates here. Harrison had a question for us, and he asked, what rules are in place regarding when Tom Brady can meet and throw with his new receivers? And could they meet up on their own, or does it have to be within the NFL scheduled events, OTAs, mini camps, etc.? No, it doesn't. Um, I would say this, that, you know, they're, they're a little at a, you know, deficit because of the inability to travel. I mean, players aren't encouraged or allowed to go to you know teams facilities so you can't really work with the team uh in any case uh, until you come together and they have a phase one you know where you're meeting with coaches and doing weight training in a phase two where you're meeting with position coaches and and that's sort of what otas are sort of phased in in the off-season program well they're probably not going to have that but even in the past when they would break from otas there would be about a, about three or four weeks there before training camp and that's when Jameis Winston and whoever the quarterback was would get together with his receivers. You did it at Texas A&M, you know, sort of where Mike Evans was. He's done it over here at Skyway Park. Um, but they always get together and they throw. And, and, yeah, I mean, there's no restrictions on Tom Brady if, if we're given as a society, you know, the all goal as far as distancing goes to, you know, to, to gather his guys and, and get to learn them, get to know them. And uh, I, I'm certain he will do that. It's just how much time – He'll have, you know, outside of what the Bucks are doing, you know, to, to even be able to get that going. And, and um, you know, we none of us have those answers right now. But as far as the rules go, uh, the rules are you just can't do it, which is kind of awkward, right? You can't do it at the NFL facility. You have – you cannot – there's a certain period there where players cannot be, um, you know, over there except for medical treatment and things like that. So they won't be at, at, at one buck or what was once called one buck – um, but somewhere around town between here and, and uh, who knows, Argentina, <laughs> I don't really know, uh, Tom Brady's going to get his guys together. And I'm betting it's going to be pretty well attended. Whoever uh, whoever is invited will probably show up to that one. I mean, you might have guys from other teams showing up just to catch passes from the GOAT. You could. You could. I mean, I, I would I would think he'd be emphasizing his own guys. I mean, yeah, you know, he I'm used to kidding. do this. He, just, it was a joke. I know. He would go out to California, and he would throw to uh, – this has been on, you know – on on television before NFL Network and other things when he would go out and he'd throw to Edelman and you know and uh, Edelman would get tired of running <laughs> and he goes why don't you run one of these he goes because that's not my job I throw the ball you catch it <laughs> like, what do you mean why don't I run you know um, so you know he's uh, 
the guy's the guy's a he's a freak, man. I mean, he absolutely is grinded his way to uh, to legendary status, and it's it's all through hard work. It's not, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's certainly not the fastest guy, or the most athletic guy. Everybody's seen, you know, the picture of him in his uh, shorts at the combine, and uh, you know that's probably one of the reasons why he went all the way to the sixth round, number one ninety nine. But uh, you know, but he has changed his body, and he's he's you know made himself. Uh, into this, uh, you know, incredibly durable and accurate and, uh, you know, productive quarterback at an age where no one would normally consider playing that position. And um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch those guys react to him and, um, you know, get to know him and, and see what kind of chemistry. I know this, he'll enjoy throwing to guys that are six foot five that can climb the ladder the way Mike Evans and some of those guys can. I mean, he's never had a receiver that he completed a pass to over six four. I think that was Randy Moss. So this will be uh, this will be fun for him too. All right, Chris asked, any idea if Tom Brady made any personal personnel demands, such as adding to the offensive line or a big name running back? I don't know that, and and my guess is that I don't think demands is really the right word. I'm sure. In fact, I'm absolutely sure that part of the reason why he's coming here is that the Bucks really clued him in on what they have. You know, like, um, not just names, right? I mean, Mike Evans, you know, sure. I've read, you know, he's heard about Mike Evans, had six straight thousand-yard seasons. Chris Godwin made a Pro Bowl, O.J. Howard. But beyond that, I'm sure that they told him about each and every player and how they see him, you know, helping Tom. Now, you know, once he gets here and learns these guys and, and they get into the offense – um, you know, I, I've been asked this question and I really don't have a great answer for it. Like people say, well, I heard he wants Antonio Brown. Like, uh, if he wants Antonio Brown, when they sign Antonio Brown, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, Antonio Brown first and foremost is a guy that has to go through the league to get reinstated, I think, or at least have a conversation with the commissioner. And then, um, you know, last year, Bruce Arian said, when asked about Antonio Brown, who he coached for two years, he called him a diva. He said he's too much, too much diva now. You know, he's not the guy that I, that I liked or that we played with in Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of reasons why you would tend to, to say, you know, at least on that player, they probably wouldn't really want to go for it. But it, until until Tom gets here, I know he's been a big cheerleader, a big fan of of uh, of his. But until we get into it, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't think. You know, players are funny. Like players understand that they they need to stay in their lane now when he was in you know new england and they had no receivers that could get separation i can imagine him talking to bill belichick about that i mean he said it on the field he would tell his players hey man we got to get some separation you know um and i'm sure they had plenty of conversations and, and that's probably why antonio brown eventually ended up there they took a shot at the guy and then he messed up again and 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 he was gone so uh, if Brady recognizes there's a deficient area, he's going to want to address it, and the team's going to want to address it. I mean, what would the Bucks not do at this point, you know, to make sure that Tom has everything he thinks he needs to succeed? But as far as Antonio Brown, I I don't know if that might be a bridge too far. I just don't know yet. Kyle asks, does the Tom Brady signing make it easier for the Bucks to retain any of their own free agents, perhaps Richard Perryman, and does it make it more appealing to free agents from other teams? Well, the first we've already answered because, um, according to my sources, Adam Schefter said earlier that they're getting a unexpected amount of phone calls 
from free agents wanting to play with Tom Brady. And I would say unexpected. Um, I would think that would be very expected. In fact, even without Tom Brady, here's a team that has, again, the third most cap room. So if you're a free agent, you want to go where they have money, right? And they have the ability to sign you. And the the other thing is the no state income tax, a nice place to live. And oh, oh yeah, by the way, the greatest of all time just got, you know, uh, is going to sign there at quarterback. So who wouldn't want to catch passes from him? Uh, so I, I do think that with respect to their own free agents, same thing, right? You don't want to play for the – I mean, you, you don't – no matter what you thought of the team that you played for a year ago, this is going to be a different experience, right? You sign with the Buccaneers now, all right, if you're Broussard Perriman. Let's say Perriman had a chance to go – and the receiver market, by the way, is flatlined because there are so many receivers in the draft. You're not going to see many receivers sign as free agents until after the draft. Because, I mean, teams know, you know, that they don't have to pay big money for them because you can get great receivers all the way through the fourth round in this draft. So it's not without question that a guy like Brashard Perriman would say, you know, normally I would think I can make, you know, I don't know, $10 million a year or $8 million or $9 million a year. And But now that, that Brady is here, um, you know what? I, I'm less interested in leaving the Bucks. Because I, I think I can make some playoff money. I, I know the excitement is going to be in this town. I know I'm going to be playing for a rocking full stadium. I know I'm going to be on national television every week, which helps your brand if you make plays. That's how guys get famous in this league. It's not like Julian Edelman was a household name until he went and played for the Patriots, right? The guy's productive as hell, but he played with the greatest quarterback of all time and was on national TV every day. So that's those are all things that players consider, and I would think that that it would, you know, make it a little easier. But the guys they're focusing on is Perriman and Indomitian Sue, and, and whether they, whether Brady was a quarterback or not, I think Sue was going to come back. And we know Pierre Paul was already um, signing a deal when the Brady news broke, so that didn't attract him per se. But uh, it, it does, let's put it this way: it doesn't make it harder. <laughs> it does not. It does not suck right now if you're Mike Greenberg. Because you got the hammer. You've got a list of people that want to play here for Tom Brady. So he pretty much can control the negotiations at this point. General Sports TA asks, will Bruce Arians retake control of the play calling now that Tom Brady is coming to Tampa? This is a great question that I plan on asking Bruce fairly soon, um, whenever we get in front of him. And I, my my guess is he's he's going to hedge a bit on that. And what I mean by it is, you know, this is a new experience. He's got to figure out how Tom works. I think there'll be a lot of respect between Tom and Byron Leftwich, who played in this league, played with Ben Roethlisberger. Tom's actually older than Byron, by the way. You know, Byron knows how to call the offense. He's got one year of experience doing it. They did have a productive year offensively in terms of total yards and all of that. And so, you know, Byron will still be, I think, the guy in, in Brady's ear. Now, I think we'd be naive to think that Arians isn't going to have more collaborative uh, control, you know? Um, and, and really, you would expect that. You, you would expect Arians to uh, use his experience to try to help Tom as much as he can. But the way game plans are put in these days and the way, um, you know, calling the play, who's actually on the, on the headset calling the play, so many of these decisions are made on on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? Including the first, you know, they script the first 15, 20 plays, whatever. So, I mean, 
you know, when you say, will he be calling the plays? Well, he's not, I don't know if he'll physically call them, but I, but I know that he, he'll have as much involvement as he thinks he needs, if that makes sense. And if that's more than last year, it'll be more than last year. If it's not, if it doesn't have to be that way, I think he'll be fine with Byron um, being the play caller. But there's got to be a trust that develops between somebody, right? Between Brady and, and Byron, between Brady and B.A., between Brady and Clyde Christensen. And so that when they go into those games on Sunday, you know, they look at their flip card, and if it's third and six on the right hash, trailing, you know, uh, seven to nothing in the in the third quarter, they're going to have a number of plays based on the defense they're playing, and they're going to know what Brady likes in these situations. And he's going to – eventually they'll get on the same page, and, and he'll anticipate – the call he wants and it'll come through you know uh, and if it doesn't he can check to something else but this is all going to be a process I, i'll say that they'll be much better in my opinion the second half of the season than they will the first and then maybe they'll come out on fire but i do think that it takes some time you know for any situation especially let alone guys played in the same system for 20 years um to really feel comfortable and and that's all part of it. So the more time they spend together, the danger of it is, and we talked about this before and I wrote about it, uh, Kurt Warner uh, had a quote uh, in my story. That he had talked to Sam Farmer of the L.A. Times and said, you know, you got to be careful because when he went from the Rams to St. Louis, to uh, Arizona for the Cardinals, they gave him sort of that ability to, to be part of the game plan. And then he found out that, you know, was, he put all this work in. They win the first game. It was like, cool. It was like, ugh, I got to do it again. So you don't want to overtax the guy if he's not used to working that way. But I do I do think that Bruce will be uh, much more involved, whether he actually calls the plays again and says, you know, Byron's not calling them, I'm calling them. And I'm not really sure that's going to be the case. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, John asked, As a sports fan, I'm grateful for the Tom Brady deal. It's been a great distraction this week. Do you guys think the free agency opening up in spite of the current climate might have been the right thing after all, optics or not? Well, um, depends on where you're coming from, right? We're all sports people. We enjoy football. We enjoy sports in general. And I'm, I think I'm happy and sports fans are happy for the distraction, quite frankly, because there's only so much coronavirus on CNN or any other place I can really think about. It's stressful. Um, you know, all our routines are disrupted. None of us can really... Uh, go to work the way we're used to doing or go to the store or go to uh, see our friends and hang out and, and go to restaurants and or bars or the beach, you know, things like that. So I'm, I'm happy for the distraction. I'm sure the NFL weighed that against the optics. I mean, you have people in this country that don't have jobs. Um, I know that people read, you know, even our own company had layoffs and we, we you know, laid off 11 really good journalists that did not deserve it. Um, certainly by their merit. And this was before the coronavirus. So, uh, you know, to, to, to them to be sitting here getting geeked up about, you know, $30 million contracts and signing bonuses and stuff like that seems like you're a little tone deaf. Um, and I'm not speaking for any of the people that got fired at our company. I'm just saying in general, um, you know, there's, there's people hurting out there. 
However, however, as uh, Stephen A. would say, but I digress. The The whole key is, you know, this was going to happen anyway, right? Whether, how do we know that a month from now things are better? How do we know that, you know, the money's not going to change? Um, you know, the league also recognizes that in a weird way, they're the only game in town. You know what? I mean, they're they're in their off season. They're the one sport. The NHL was approaching the playoffs. Major League Baseball was going to start. This would have been um, the the first round, the first day, as a matter of fact, as we do this uh, podcast of the NCAA tournament. There would have been a lot of things that would have been battling for you know the start of free agency. And now they had that canvas to themselves. And and I think I think the networks appreciated it. Those are partners of theirs. They're having trouble, you know, coming up with programming and. You know, for at least a couple of weeks, um, we can dive into it. And, oh, by the way, it just turns out that the greatest quarterback of all time left New England and came to Tampa Bay. So you had a big story on top of just what is usually a bunch of transactions. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But ultimately, you know, for me at least, this is what I'm used to doing this time of year, and it hasn't been – as bad so that I haven't had to focus on everything else that's going on, even though the kids are home and the wife is home and all that. Um, you know, and I, I, I think it was a coin toss. I mean, there's very few times when, you know, we've had leagues stop play, right? I mean, stop play. If you think about it, this is unprecedented in, in, in everything in society, but also in sports. Uh, I think I was looking at it. They stopped at the start of World War World War Two, I believe. Probably I'm not, two, yeah. I'm not, probably two. And, and then, the NFL's only um, 100 years old. But then, so the, but the base, but baseball, that. baseball kept going because they had guys like you know uh, Ted Williams and others went and fought, and they they decided, you know what, we're not going to let it interrupt our way of life. We're going to, even though a bunch of guys left and and, and were fighting, they they kept playing baseball. And then I think when Roosevelt died, I believe that maybe they stopped briefly then. They, the NFL did not stop when Kennedy was assassinated and during his funeral, and they got immense criticism for that. It was a huge mistake. And then 9-1-1, you know, for, for a week. Um, and those are the only times that, that baseball and some sports have been interrupted. So what we're going through is unprecedented, and, and history will determine, uh, unfortunately, whether this was, like, totally tone-deaf and insensitive or uh, a welcome distraction. And I guess it depends on whether you care about sports or don't care. But if you're affected by this, you know, you, I can see where people would think it's ridiculous. If I've got a parent that I can't see in a nursing home that's, you know, potentially has coronavirus and, and I can't go in there. And um, I mean, it's an incredibly sad time. There's funerals going on. So, um, you know, perspective is, is something we all need. And yet I do think there's part of the NFL that, you know, wanted to wanted to power on regardless. And, and you know, it. Uh, and I think they also were a little afraid of the unknown. I, I think they didn't necessarily think that two weeks, three weeks from now, that things would be better. Um, so they they went ahead and went for it, and and so we're in the middle of it now. Scott asked, so with Tom Brady coming to Tampa, do you think our humidity and heat during the football season will affect Brady's play until his blood thins out, or is that just folklore? Well, it's not. I mean, it's hot. If that's it's hot as hell. But consider this, when he gets to, uh, you know, first of all, they're going to be playing a lot of night games, okay? <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, they're not going to be playing at, at one, 
there's no one o'clock games on the schedule. Let me just say this right now. Like they're going to be the national TV game in the afternoon if it's Fox, whatever, or they're going to be playing at night a lot, right? You've got Drew Brees twice, Mahomes at Tampa Bay, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is at Tampa Bay. Um, you know, at Vegas, at at Vegas, you, you know, play the Giants in New York. I mean, big media market. Like, there's there's at least uh, six games, seven games, and then depending on how they play, with the interest there's going to be in Tom Brady not playing for the Patriots. This is the this is the go to team for television right now, right? Simply because the story is there, right? So TV goes where the story is. That's where the eyeballs are. I mean. People in, in northeast, uh, you know, in, in New England and up in the northeast, I'm going to stop watching to see what what Brady is doing just because he's not a Patriot. So, I, you know, I think this will be mostly evening games. But the big thing is, you know, he's going to benefit, I think, from not playing in the cold, in the wind, in the rain, in the muddy conditions up there. You know, quarterbacks. They they like it when it's hot, you know. They they as long as they can grip the ball, which is most of the time. I mean, they they like good conditions and warm weather, and um, you know they're human like the rest of us. And so, you know, that football can get kind of hard when it's freezing out. And I think he'll, especially when he gets to October, November, December, I think he's going to really enjoy playing in Tampa then. All right, the Bucks haven't made the playoffs in the last 12 seasons, but it seems like they're really going all in and trying to make a Super Bowl run. Do you get the impression as well? And if the Bucks fail to make the playoffs in Super Bowl, do you think we'll see a rebuild in Tampa Bay? Well, it's interesting because they have a couple of windows, and it varies on what side of the ball you're talking about. They're sort of trying to you know, rebuild the defense, especially the back end with young players and – Yet they've got some older players on the, you know, as pass rushers and on the defensive line, and then offensively they got kind of a veteran offensive line that's been around for a number of years now. Uh, but they, you know, some of their skilled players like Mike Evans is going into his seventh season, and you know they got to re-sign Chris Godwin to an extension, and you know OJ Howard's coming up on his fifth-year option, and Cameron Brait's been in this league for a while, so they're getting a little long in tooth in some areas, but they're really really young in others, so. They're kind of right. They're kind of stuck in the middle. They're definitely built to win now, more than later. Um, but I, I think as long as Brady is the quarterback, they're all in for. There is only today, right? And that's kind of what Bruce Arians is here for, anyway. I mean, yeah, they brought him in to be the quarterback whisperer, try to save Jameis. It didn't work, all right. But but he's a hell of a coach with a really good staff, and he, they got some good players. But that window is going to shut at some point, and it's going to shut quickly. For Tom Brady, the, 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 you know, the test is consistency. I mean, this team has been consistently awful for 12 years. Can they get to a point where they're, you know, the team that's talked about being the playoffs every year, even after Brady is gone? But we don't know. We know this, that, that you know, Tom's not going to play more than two or three years. I mean, he said he wanted to play till he was 45. He'll be 43 this season at some point, and that could be two seasons. So you better get a quarterback that to bring up behind him. I think they'll draft a guy. And, you know, you're going to have to replenish some players that are going to be getting longer in the tooth. But they're kind of right in their sweet spot a little bit with some young ascending players like Devin White and Carlton Davis and, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting. Those are some young guys that are going to get better, Vita Vea. Uh, but then other guys like JPP, they're going to have to replace soon. And there's just no other way around that. But I, I think they're built to win now. And I, I don't think they rip it up until Brady is done playing. And then then you just got to see where you're at, where you're at with quarterback. And, you know, there's a draft every year. There's free agency every year. You don't have to, 
you know, completely tear things up like they're doing in Carolina and, and still win football games. There's, there's a lot of different ways to do this. All right, since you brought up the draft, Drew and John both had very similar questions. And essentially, it's, wouldn't this be the best time for the Bucks to draft a quarterback? Who better for a kid to learn from than Tom Brady? Can't think of a guy better. Can't think of one. And, in fact, how's Jimmy Garoppolo benefiting from it right now? Right? How did Jacoby Brissett, a guy that Florida didn't even want, how's he benefiting from it from being the time he was with Tom Brady? I think it's an excellent time to draft a quarterback, and I would bet a dollar to a donut that they're going to. Now, the question is how high, right? How soon do you need them to play? Well, within two years. And that's good and that's good and bad. Um, it's good that somebody's going to come in here and, and if Tom stays healthy, benefit from watching him work, from understanding how a game plan is put in, how the corrections are made after the game, um, you know, all those things that, that Brady can impart on him in that room as a quarterback. And then, you know, when Brady retires, then hopefully you'll have a guy that's, you know, been through it a little bit and, and had a chance to see how it's done and is ready to play himself. So, I, I, you know, whether you get that guy, is that a guy you draft in the first round? Probably not. You know, probably not a first-round guy. They're picking 14th, and I don't know how many of the first-round quarterbacks will be there. I mean, Jordan Love could go someplace. Um, but is that a guy you get in the third or fourth round? Let, let's say, for example, and I'm just spitballing here, but let's say, say in the fourth round you go and you take Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. You know, that's a perfect guy. That's a hell of a teammate. Uh, he's going to do everything he can, you know, to uh, give the scout squad a good look. He's going to learn how to play. Probably needs a couple years to develop his craft as a, as a pocket passer and these kind of things. Maybe not the same offense Tom will, will run because he's always going to be in the pocket. But that's a guy that you you know you would like to say, okay, let's let's get him, and he can back up Tom for a few years, and then then he should then he should be developed with Clyde Christensen honing in on his swing and his, his stroke and all those things that, that Clyde does with the footwork. And, um, you know, but, but you're not in a rush to play him. He's not a guy that's going to get impatient because he wants to play right away. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers waited four years. And uh, whoever backs up Tom won't have to wait that long if they draft a guy. But you do want him to be ready. You know, you want him to be ready in case something happens, you know, uh, this year or next year. I think the perfect marriage would be, um, to draft a guy probably later in the rounds, third or fourth round, whoever that you may deem that to be, um, you could do it in the second too, but also have a veteran that can play, you know, because whoever you draft, you're saying right now you're a contending team, right? You've got Tom Brady as your quarterback. And Brady has been extremely durable, knock on wood, um, throughout his career. Of course, he missed the whole season one time with, with uh, uh, a knee injury. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going for it and Brady is going to miss a couple weeks with, say, I don't know, uh, a broken thumb or, or you know, a, a, you know a, a cut on his hand or whatever, then you you don't want to just, you know, go to a rookie that's never taken a bite of the apple. Um, you're going to want to go to somebody that's been in the huddle before. So I think that, that it will be a combination. I think they'll get a free agent quarterback that's been a career backup that's uh, – uh, maybe it's somebody that's worked with Brady before. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't need a lot of reps because he's not going to get any. Um, but he'll be good in the room, and, and uh, Tom will get along with him. And if you need him early in the season or you need him to play a game or two, he can keep you afloat. And then also draft a rookie that is going to be your inactive third quarterback a lot of weeks, but he's still going to go through the process of developing. So I look for a veteran, and I look for them to draft a quarterback most definitely. 
Kathy wrote us and said, I'm excited for the Tom Brady era, but I do feel for Jameis Winston. For all of Bruce Arians' quarterback whispering expertise, why do you think he was unable to work his magic on Jameis? Is his game so fundamentally flawed that no one can help him now? I don't think no one can help him, but I, I, I've said I've argued this many times. Like I don't know that Bruce was the was the right guy for Jameis at this point in his career. And what I mean by that is, you know, Jameis has one big problem that we all recognize. He turns the ball over. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, all quarterbacks throw interceptions. You know, um, all quarterbacks lose fumbles from time to time. But you know, Bruce came in here, and the theory was. He's a quarterback whisperer. He's had all these guys, you know, at different points in their career. But he kind of got Jameis at a, at, a, at a point where he only had one year to really make it work. You know, it's like, hey, this is it. Uh, you got a fish or cut bait. Like, we are, um, you know, this is your fifth year. It's not your fourth year. And you may not get that second year with Bruce Arians. I think if, if, if Jameis Winston, for better or worse, had gotten a second year with Bruce, he'd have gotten much better. You know, it happened to Carson Palmer. It's happened to a lot of guys in his system. However, you know, he's had one problem throughout all five years of his career in the NFL and really going back before that is last year at Florida State. And it's, you know, the same mistake over again. It's not like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's you know, sometimes you just shake your head and go, how did he not? How did he not see this? Why did he, you know, why did he throw the ball there? Why didn't he uh, look off the safety? Like fundamental things that you go over and over again, and it just kept happening. And I, I think that, you know, because of where Jameis was not having a contract, right, being a free agent or having to re-sign him to what I'm sure he would have wanted big money to stay here, it turns out, you know, maybe he'd have taken less now. You know, that that's an impossible position. And then Bruce came out and decided, I'm going to, I'm going to, Clear the decks. Like there will be no challenge for you. We're gonna. You are my starter. You're my quarterback. You cannot get out of this lineup. I don't care what you do. You're our guy. We're giving you 16 games. Go get them, buddy. And when he would throw some picks, like he did in England, he came back and he was alibying for the guy. You know. And yeah, this guy didn't run a perfect route. And yeah, maybe this guy didn't hold his block. But my goodness, after a while, he stopped doing that. You know. After a while, he recognized that a lot of these bad throws were on Jameis. And the same mistakes. I mean, how many pick sixes can you have to start a game? How many interceptions? What was it? Six or seven in the first series of a game? I mean, you know, you just have to protect the football better than that. That's your first job as a quarterback is to not give the football away. Forget about making a first down or, you know, even a yard. Your job is to make sure that you don't get the ball turned over. And he could not stop that. And I think they tried everything they could, but. I think Jameis, knowing that he was never coming out of the game, I don't know that that was a good thing for him. The one year that I saw him, and this was frustrating too, I think, if you if you coach him. The one year I saw him stop turning the ball over was the year that, you know, Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick started as quarterback, had those four good games. Then Jameis came back and they got beat up by the Bears and they, they kept Fitzpatrick in there. And then, um, you know, eventually they went to Jameis, and he didn't play well. Uh, and they benched him. And then they went back to Fitzpatrick, he didn't play well. Well, after they had benched him for the first time in his life, right, Jameis knew why he was benched, because he was turning it over in Cincinnati. And he came back, and he willed himself. Go back and watch the tape. He willed himself the next four weeks to not turn the ball over. I think he had, like, 
nine touchdowns or 11 touchdowns and two or three interceptions. And you could see it in his mind, like, ah, he turned down that throw. Ah, he ran the ball here. Ah, he took the sack there. Ah, he threw the ball away there. You could literally see him in his mind saying, I'm not turning it over, I'm not turning it over, and he didn't. And they won football games, and he, he was not the reason they were losing. And so the frustrating thing is, well, when it's at the top of your mind, you do it. We know you can do it. We've seen you do it. But then Bruce comes, and there's no threat of him having anything taken away. There's no threat that he's going to get benched. And then he just goes out there and starts, you know, throwing it all over the yard and to the wrong people. So I just, you know, with the, with the new offense and only one year to learn it and, um, you know, five guys going out and driving the ball, he got better. You know, he can't say he didn't get better. He was a much better deep ball thrower. His footwork was better. There's a lot that was so much better about Jameis Winston in his one year under Bruce and Clyde Christensen. But could you afford to give him another one? I mean, could you could you really and especially especially again when you have a once in a what never chance of getting the greatest quarterback of all time who still wants to play and has some juice um, into Tampa to replace him? I mean, that's the other part of this, right? That there were there were quarterbacks on the market that no one ever suspected that would be that good would ever make it to free agency, and so. You know, that weighed against his production, the lack of production and turnovers is what got him out of here. But um, I I think he'll have a good career. I think he's going to go someplace and back up. And um, hopefully when he gets his chance again, you know, he'll take care of the football. And I, I still think he's going to play 12 years or 15 years somewhere. Milo asks, what team is most likely landing spot for Jameis Winston? And will he start or finish this season as a starting quarterback? I think he's more likely to finish. Um, I don't think there's a starting job for him. Uh, you know, the, the Chargers are going to go with Tyrod Taylor, it looks like. They're going to draft a guy. Most teams, like Miami and some others, they got Ryan Fitzpatrick with their draft and a guy. So where do you go? I mean, Marcus Mariota is backing up a wobbly starter in, in Las Vegas. You know, Chicago decided to go with Nick Foles from Jacksonville. They traded for him, you know, to, to push Mitch Trubisky and probably push him out of the starting lineup. So, so where are the jobs? You know, we, we, we said we started this exercise saying there's more quarterbacks than there are starting jobs. Well, guess what? All the starters got signed. Bridgewater went to Carolina. You know, Brady went to Tampa. Um, Phillip Rivers went to Indianapolis. And, and even some of the backup jobs have been filled. So where do you go? It's a great question. Uh, Jacksonville needs somebody. They got Gardner Minshew. Looks like they're going to go with him. Um, but, you know, do you want to go into Jacksonville and back up him? Uh, I, I have a spot that I think makes sense. Mm-hmm. I have not talked to anybody about this, but, well, like, that's not true. I have talked to some people about it. I can't tell you who, but um, I here's a couple things that I think make sense. The Washington Redskins mm-hmm. have Dwayne Haskins, who did not play very well, and, and he only played one year of college football. He struggled when he's played you know, for the Redskins. And Doug Williams is in the front office there, has always liked Jameis Winston. I mean, always. And I think he sees a little of himself. Now he probably sees a lot of himself in Jameis Winston in that, you know, here's here's an African-American quarterback who played in Tampa. Not the easiest place to play. I'm sorry, folks. Um, You know, when things go wrong here. And, I, I, you know, he was a a first-round pick, number one overall pick. Doug was a first-rounder himself. And, you know, Doug left over a contract dispute, but really if the, if the ownership wanted him, they, they would have kept him. They would have made that happen. He goes to the USFL, gets hurt, ends up, 
as a backup to you know Jay Schrader and in, in, in the Redskins and didn't really play the like the last three years of the of the time that he won the Super Bowl it was a coin toss that Joe Gibbs was going to choose him over Schrader for the playoffs. And so, you know, but he had a second act and he's and he's a Super Bowl champion, a part of history, first African American quarterback to win the Super Bowl. And so I I can see a scenario and I don't know the financials and I don't even know what the Redskins are thinking, but I know Doug Williams is a big fan of Jameis Winston's and he's got a quarterback that the Redskins believe in in Haskins. But if it doesn't go well, you know, um, what would be wrong with having Jameis there, whether Haskins gets hurt or or perhaps he just doesn't do very well, and have a guy like Winston, you know, with Doug Williams helping mentor him a little bit, not from a coaching standpoint, but just you know, hey, this you know, there's there's a second act here. I've been I've been exactly in your shoes before, and you can you can turn this into a great career. And so, uh, in my mind, I think that would be the perfect place for him. All right, Cobra HD asks, what's going on with the Indomitian Sioux signing? I don't know because I don't know and I don't know Sue that well. I mean, clearly their priority and, and they pretty much stated it was Barrett, JPP, right? I would think Sue is next, but you know it, it could be Perriman. I mean, they just you know they just signed Tom Brady. Um, there are some defensive tackles in this draft. You know, Vita Bay is not a rookie anymore; he's a veteran himself. Um, so you don't need an older guy. But when I talked at the what was it the East West Shrine game with Todd Bowles. He told me not only did Sue play really, really well, he loved the way he played, but he told me that they wanted him back and Sue wanted to come back. Now, Indomicon is a different cat, okay? He's got a lot of interest outside of football. Um, you know, so he's a guy that travels a lot. I don't know what he's doing now because we're all in lockdown, right? But um, I think he likes to take some time and really, really consider that it wasn't a slam dunk he was going to play last year. He really had to think about it. If you remember, it was late. Uh, by the time he signed, he was over traveling in Europe. So my guess is the offer will be there. Everybody has a price, right? I mean, these guys have made a ton of money. They, they don't have to play. They're set financially. He's probably made, like Gerald McCoy, close to you know $120 million in his career. So it's not about the money. It's about the sacrifice, what you have to do in the off season, what you have to do during the regular season. But he he was, you know... For all the stuff I heard about him coming in, he was very cooperative. He seemed to be a good teammate. He seemed to have fun. He seemed to enjoy playing here. And in playing for Bowles, he was a little bit energized by that. And, you know, and he had a good year. So I would think he'd resign. But, you know, like I said, some guys will play at $8 million but won't play for $6 million. You know, it, it just all depends on what his price is. And, I don't know when they're going to meet it. I, I I would think it'd be sooner than later, but um, not sure. Not sure when he's going to sign, but I do think he'll be back. Joe asks, any negotiations with Melvin Gordon or Jamal Adams or perhaps maybe Todd Gurley now that uh, he's been released? Yeah, I'm not sure about Gurley. Um, you know, again, there's some really good running backs in the draft that can catch the ball. I mean, Gurley was a special player a few years ago. I don't know what his salary demands are going to be either, quite frankly. So you have to, you know, you have to kind of weigh that a little bit. But, you know, I think um, there should be some interest in Melvin Gordon, who's not as beat up, you know, made a mistake by holding out. You definitely need a three down back. You need a guy that can, um, you know, play every down. Ronald Jones still has a role on this team. But, 
you know, Brady's your quarterback. He likes checking the ball. He likes, you know, you got to have somebody who can pass protect and be productive. So I, I think Gordon would get a look there. Who was the other one they mentioned? Jamal Adams. You need a safety. I take a look at him. You know, that's the one position on the back end. I mean, they got Jordan Whitehead and uh, Jordan Whitehead and um, and Edwards, who they really really like, Mike Edwards, at safety. But you could use a guy on the back end to kind of kind of get everyone in place. And you know, safety is one of those positions where you can play a long a long time. I mean, you can't hit anybody anyway, right? I mean, these days, so. You're more of a center fielder and a traffic cop than anything else. If you can just get guys lined up, that's half the battle. So, you know, much like Kansas City got, you know, the Honey Badger and went to the Super Bowl, I think Adams is going to really help a team. So that's a guy that I would think they'd have some interest in, depending on how good they think their safeties are right now. I know this. Unfortunately, you can't count on Justin Evans. I mean, he's had so many trouble with his his legs and his feet. Um, They don't even know that he would make it to training camp at this point. So... I think safety is a position they definitely have to address, and, and I would think Adams would catch their attention. Les asks, I know Jason Light has been busy with the signing of that new quarterback. Sorry, forgot his name. But have you heard any updates on extensions for Chris Godwin or Levante David? All right, his name is Brady. B-R-A-D-Y. <laughs> Smartass. Um, yeah, I have not, and that's not, and that's because... The NFL is one of those play, one of those deals like any business that you know they, they kind of prioritize. Okay, right now it was all in on Brady. They can only do a couple things at a time. They can do more than one thing, but it was all about Brady and it was all about getting JPP and you know franchising Shaq Barrett and and now you know um, they got to button up the contract with with Tom and then they got to um, you know look at Sue and, and and you know examine whether they want Todd Gurley. So. It's a, it's free agency right now. Then it'll be the draft, okay? Go into the draft, see who you get, fill the spots you couldn't fill in free agency. Um, and then when when the draft is over and if there's any offseason left, by the time you get to training camp, there'll be time for those discussions. I mean, Chris Godwin wasn't a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick. So they don't have a fifth year with him. So it would behoove them uh, to get him locked down and locked up you know, sometime before the start of the season or early into the season. And with Levante, it's, I mean, he's, he's defied all time. I mean, guy looks like he's 25. He certainly plays like at times. So, I mean, I really think that, you know, that's one that is going to, uh, you know, that that's one that's going to probably not take as much time, right? Because Levante is not going to want to go anywhere else. And um, he's proven to, to, everybody that he can still get it done so i would think somewhere around training camp shortly after training camp they'll they'll lock both those guys up part of it too is how much money do you have you know how much salary cap is left that's that's also a concern you've got to find ways to create money and create space well couldn't the cba have been a part of that too i mean now that they know the percentage of revenue is going to players for the you know next year beyond and they're going to have a 17 game schedule they're going to have additional playoffs this year it's a great point because there's even ways you couldn't you know you weren't going to be able to structure a contract um you can't have an increase of more than 30 percent a year if they were playing under the last year the cba rules and so now they can do those things. They can they can do signing bonus and amortize, you know, the contract to get it under the cap for several years. And they, you could do that with Godwin. Now, most of the time, they do flat contracts, meaning, you know, <laughs> whatever's guaranteed comes in the first two years, and then they can they can walk away um, without any dead money. That's your goal. 
but they can certainly structure some things, um, you know, now that they know what the rules are and, and, uh, you know, the salary caps going up and they'll have more room. So that's, that's all part of it, but it's, it's more just priorities, you know, and you know, what, what's the order of the day. And right now it's, it's free agency and then it'll be the draft. And then, uh, sometime after that, you can talk about extending those guys. All right. Excellent questions. I'm surprised that there were none about Tom Brady this time. Maybe next time you guys will have a few on him. Who? (laughs) Exactly. I'm tired of that guy. (laughs) Already? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, all I do is answer questions about Brady, Brady, Brady. No, I'm not. It's it's the gift that's going to keep giving all of us. And thank goodness we have a little bit of distraction. We're glad you listened to this podcast every Monday through Friday. We are not done. Even if uh, the NFL agency may taper off we got lots to talk about uh, brady of course and uh and other things and we're going to be talking to tom jones next week as well mark topkin we'll visit with some friends that we don't have to spend we don't get to spend a lot of quality time with they got some time and we do too so we know you guys enjoy listening to sports and perspective and we're going to give you plenty of that uh, as the weeks go by and hopefully it won't be too long before they actually start playing the games but um you know nfl free agency is going to be in swing before long We'll be talking about the draft and where the Bucks are headed. So lots to check out here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Stay safe and have a great weekend. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.